It's back to school season, and what better way to be studious than by starting your own website? GoDaddy.com has hosting plans starting at just $3.95 a month, and no matter what plan you choose, your site receives 24-7 maintenance and protection in the GoDaddy.com world-class data center. Plus, as a MuggleCast listener, enter code MUGGLE, that's M-U-G-G-L-E, when you check out, and save an additional 10% on any order. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. This is Professor McGonagall welcoming you to all to MuggleCast, hoping you enjoyed. Dobby, Dobby, come here. Yeah, Dobby. Yes, well, I'd just like to say how very pleased I am to introduce MuggleCast to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Because Grand Theft Dragon may someday become a reality, this is MuggleCast episode 179 for September 9th, 2009. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 179. We're so close to 180, uh, but we'll get there. We'll get there soon. Uh, joined by a, a worldwide panel this week, uh, and I can say that because MuggleNet staff member Nick is on the show this week. Hello, Nick. Hey, Andrew. How you doing? It's been a while, but... It has. I've missed you. Sit- oh, I missed you too. <laughs> but since then, you've uh, upgraded your mic. You sound You sound wonderful. Well, thank you. Uh, and also, we have Micah and Eric here this week. Hey, boys. What's up? Hey. Dog. Hey. How you Come doing? On. Be excited. Oh, hey, yeah. Andrew, what's, what's up? What's, what's going up? on, what's man? Up? How you doing? <laughs> We're on MuggleCast. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, we have a good show for everyone today. Uh, we got some news to talk about and uh, announcements and all kinds of crazy stuff. So we'll get right into it. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Micah Tannevel. And I'm Nick Myers. What is going on in the news this week? There's uh, there's a good amount of stuff going on, you know, since we don't do the show all that often anymore. But uh, as we started out last time when we did the news, we'll talk a little bit about Half-Blood Prince and where it is in terms of uh, climbing up the charts. And Half-Blood Prince has so far worldwide made $917.2 million dollars. It's currently wow. at number 11 on the all-time list, and it trails Shrek 2 by just $2 million. So getting close yeah. to the top 10. So, but do you, do you think it'll reach the top 10? Because, I mean, it's it's leaving more and more theaters every week. I think it will. I think with just $2 million to go, I mean, we, we could make a difference right here. That's true. We, we could tell people to go out <laughs> and see the movie and, uh, you know... Actually, I haven't contributed any money towards this film. The only time I saw it was at a screening uh, for oh, press. Oh, a jerk. So... And a show-off. Oh, man. <laughs> WB, find this man and uh, demand that he gives you $8, I swear. 
<laughs> well, I just I just did some quick math, and if every single one of our listeners went to see the show and paid nine dollars per ticket, that would only make about four hundred fifty thousand dollars. So, huh. I mean, it'd make a dent, but so what it's you're not saying is get there's there. this uh, huge untapped market in Harry Potter fans that don't know about us. <laughs> well, no, well, I'm saying our listeners, like if we had fifty thousand people go see the movie this week, it'll it would only bump it by. You know, well, oh, I think right. it's actually it, done very well overseas in comparison to past movies. I mean, I have to check on that, but I, I think overall it's been performing well uh, overseas as compared to here in the United States. Because I remember after that uh, first week, I think it was, it, it dropped to the, the hamster movie, G-Force, yeah. right? Wasn't that what it's called? Right. <laughs> right. Yep. And it still stayed strong in, in other markets. And the question is going to be, is it still yet to open up anywhere else? Because that could certainly... I, I wonder if WB, like, gets annoyed that they don't make a billion from one film. Like, if... I wonder if Alan Horn sits there and then it's like, oh, wow, you haven't made a billion. I only made 917 million. Oh. <laughs> But nothing is going to top uh, Titanic, which is by far. What does that mean? I think it's one point eight billion. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, unless I, I think, do you guys think if they made a Titanic two, that it would possibly <laughs> top Titanic? I mean, that seems I to suppose. be the only thing that could that could you know. But what are you going right. to do? But if you I remember correctly, that movie was re-released, wasn't it? That's a good. I don't know. No. Um. Cameron did a documentary a few years later. Uh, on the Titanic again, but it was like Ghosts of the Abyss, I think it was called. That um, it actually start, it actually had um, Bill Paxton in it, who was in some other jamming. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I I know they brought the Dark Knight back to theaters, but I forget if Titanic actually. Do you mean like right afterwards, Micah? Like a few months later? Because I think, because I mean, it stayed in theaters for a long time, and I forget whether or not it actually came back. Do you mean recently? Well, not recently. I mean. Probably within a couple of months or or a year after it was initially released, because I, I thought that's what yeah. was able to to kick its numbers a little bit higher. Well, plus after DVD sales and it running on television, I'm sure you know, like uh, especially Potter, it's going to be over the billion mark in terms of revenue thanks to the DVDs mm. and when it starts yeah. running on TV. So. But did that get factored in? No, but I'm saying W. It, 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 I'm sure it's factored into WB's bottom line. Oh though. yeah. Like, box office mojo isn't going to count it, but... Yeah. No, that's a good point. Anyway, what else is going on? Next piece of news. Uh, towards the end of August, uh, the Orlando Sentinel reported that Universal Orlando had filed some new construction notices, uh, one with a company that specializes in fog effects and another that works with robots. So uh, this got a little bit of speculation going as to what was going to be being worked on, I guess, down in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And, and Andrew, you're going to be there uh, in the not-too-distant future. Oh, that's right, Micah. Yeah, not they, to brag or anything, of... I mean, to to show off. Like, no. Well, you already did I did, that so, enough. you know, I, I laid the, the groundwork for you. <laughs> oh, oh, thanks. No, I they're, they're doing some press event next, uh, like, a week from... Uh, Tuesday, or well, this upcoming Tuesday, and yeah, and they invited MuggleNet, so I don't know what they're revealing, but a apparently a lot of info, so I imagine we'll be able to do another MuggleCast relatively soon to talk about all the new theme park stuff, and uh, it's cool, I mean, like, the fog effects and all, that that's cool, and it just shows you how much detail they're putting 
they're putting into this theme park. And it'll be refreshing to finally get some solid details because Universal has been so hush-hush about the project that, you know, we just have to learn what's going on based off of construction notices. So, And we know Tom Felton's going to be at this press event next week uh, thanks to a mug on an insider. If somebody... <laughs> Somebody on a different website called it a mug on John Noe, isn't it? No, no. <laughs> uh, but um, what was I saying? So, yeah, I mean, maybe some stars will be there, too, besides Tom Felton. We'll have to see. All right. Um, <laughs> what else is going on? <laughs> we got some news related to Deathly Hollows filming. Uh, I'll just run through all these pieces. I guess we can talk about them together. Uh, in late August, Jason Isaacs confirmed that he's finished filming Malfoy Manor. And that he's headed back to the set in September, so this month, uh, to film scene, scenes with Rafe Fiennes. And a little bit of speculation about what those scenes could be, um, but also some more confirmations. Uh, Warwick Davis confirmed that he will indeed be back uh, for Deathly Hollows, but he's not going to be playing Flitwick. He's going to be playing Griphook. He's playing both. No, I don't think he's playing Flitwick. Well, are you saying he's just they, not in the movie I, or somebody else? They wrote the role out of the... Uh, the movie, oh. right? Yeah, the, I'm I mean, pretty sure the that's article. True. Well, the article just said that he was playing Griphook. I so they yeah. didn't, they weren't like they weren't like either way about Flitwick. But Flitwick, I think, was even only in the the back. I mean, he's the head of the house, isn't he? Yeah, Flitwick. When he tweeted, I, mean, I think he? he said he was playing both roles. But like you said, I think it'd be background stuff. But yeah, I but, mean, like it's not like people would be able to notice anyway. It's the same actor. Like with the amount of makeup you got to put on Grip Hook and Flitwick, like they'll look completely different, even though it's still yeah. Warwick. Uh, for some reason, I remember reading uh, an article saying that that he wasn't going to be playing his original role. But mm. I'll uh, hold off on anything for right now. I'll... Okay. And then Harry Melling will be back to play Dudley Dursley. <laughs> I know yes! people. Yes! People were yes! uh, really excited to hear that. And the person who made well, the post, which I think was it, you, Andrew, or was it Andrea? It was Nick. Oh, it was Nick. Me? Yeah, Nick. You you noted that uh, Richard Griffiths will be back, but they've yet to confirm Fiona Shaw to play Petunia. Well, one plus two equals three, so that should yeah. be given. Well, yes, Andrew. One plus two does equal. Three. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, no, you've been going to college, haven't you? Yes, I have. No, you know what I mean, though. It's like obviously, yeah. it's not like they're gonna write Petunia out. Well, I I don't know. I mean, what do you? Because uh, the Dursleys weren't in movie six, so we didn't see that scene where Dumbledore is even talking about Dudley being abused. So, um, it's interesting that that we'll see Dudley because uh, you wonder in what context. That the scene will be between Harry and Dudley, where you know Dudley has to say goodbye or whatever, because it's I don't know it's less um less built up to in the in the in the films, so they'll they'll have to I'm not worried by any means, but it'll be different I think than the scene in the book um by quite a bit, especially if Fiona Shaw's not involved. Well, I think I think they'll include the Seven Potters maybe and just leave it at that, you know, for the Dursleys. Yeah. Uh, but it'll be good to see him again, and you have to include him. I mean, they're doing two parts, so it's not like there isn't room for the Dursleys. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a scene that has to be in there, though, because it's even if it's a flashback, possibly, to what happened in Half-Blood Prince, and I know, like you guys just said, it wasn't included, but it seems like it's an important scene between Harry and Petunia. Right. I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. But by the way, uh, nobody sent me hate mail for being sarcastic about Harry Melling 
announcing he's going to be back. And a lot just, of people you know, were excited. I, I mean, I, I thought you were genuinely no, excited about that, Andrew. Well, I, I, everyone's excited because it means the Dursleys are coming back, which is good. So, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't have posters of uh, Harry Melling on, in <laughs> oh, my yeah, room. Oh, yeah, you do. Like, Come I'm not on. a fanboy or anything. Don't lie. Yeah, you do. Huh? This one deserved it. <laughs> it's, it's just Harry Melling. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. What were we going to say, Micah? No, I was going to move on to the next piece of news. Well, go ahead. What else is going on? The last piece that I have here uh, is about John Williams performing an hour of Potter at the Hollywood Bowl. And, and Andrew, you could talk more about this because you were there. Yeah. I mean, uh, we I wanted to post it because I thought it wasn't news newsworthy in a traditional sense, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, Matt and I both went to uh, John Williams every year at the Hollywood Bowl here in Los Angeles. He does a show called John Williams uh, Music of the Movies, and he performs. He's the composer of uh, Sorcerer's Stone, Chamber of Secrets, Prisoner of Azkaban, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, uh, Superman. Like he, he's he's probably arguably the best um, composer of all time, or one of them. And he uh, does a show every year, so he does uh, he does you know his most famous scores. It's a beautiful environment. It's just it was just an awesome night, but. The Potter catch to it is that he dedicated the first hour to Harry Potter, and it was wow. fantastic. Like he knew we we just you know kept looking. We were with two of our friends too, and we were just kept saying to ourselves like he must have known we were coming tonight. Uh, I'll give you a run through of the songs uh, in this order, and it was cool because um, he comes out on stage, he doesn't say anything, then suddenly there's these lightning effects, and it's an outdoor theater, so it kind of actually sounded real. Um, but so there's these, you know, flashes of lightning and lightning sound effects and John Williams like looks around and then you hear, there's no such thing as magic. And then they go right into Hedwig's theme and it was, yeah, it was so beautiful and, you know, completely live. So they did Hedwig's theme, Aunt Marge's Waltz, Diagon Alley, Night Bus, uh, the Nimbus 2000 theme, Fox the Phoenix, uh, Window to the Past. Chamber of Secrets and then Harry's Wondrous World. So it, it was an incredible sale list too. And it was, it was so much fun. And, and I, I like to fuel, you know, rumors. It made us wonder, you know, if he's doing these, like, he, he this was a two hour show. The first half of the show was Harry Potter. And this has not been done before by him. He's never dedicated an hour to one of his shows, hmm. you know, to Potter. So it makes you wonder. You know, is Potter on his mind a lot? Because maybe he's working on Deathly Hollows, which he has said he's very interested in doing. Um, and two years ago, he said he believed, quote, with confidence that he'd be back. So, you know. Wow. He's got to be working on it soon. You, you got to imagine. Well, you think he's get, well, I mean, so basically you're asking, I mean, does this mean that he's getting his groove back on? Yeah. By I mean, re, re-familiarizing himself with the music, I mean. Yeah. I mean, he would have played Potter songs no matter what, but the first hour is a little bit. Of a two-hour show. Yeah. I mean, he's done everything, man. And the Star Wars fans were, you know, must have been a little <laughs> yeah. upset, trust me. <laughs> Although he did play some Star Wars after, but. Yeah, so it was a great night, and, you know, it makes you wonder, what's going on there? I hope he comes back. Oh, man. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be interesting, especially having gone away from him for, what has it been now, three movies? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And we were hoping, we were like, 
oh my god, he's going to announce it right here, isn't he? Like, he's playing an hour of Potter. He's <laughs> he's going to turn around and just go, I am composing movie seven! <laughs> Only... and, and you'd be right there with your Twitter. and Yeah, <laughs> oh, I, I was actually thinking in my head, like, I was plotting, because, like, I didn't have internet, so I was plotting who I would call first. And, you know, for Mike, it was too late, and I didn't know who else to call. I guess I would have called you, Eric. But, hmm. yeah, it would have been would have been breaking news from the Hollywood Bowl. Awesome. <laughs> that sounds... What is that Hollywood Bowl, anyway? I mean, where is it? It's, like... it's in Hollywood. It's an outdoor venue. It holds, like, thousands of people. It's outdoor. Like I said, you bring your own... You can bring your own drinks and food. We had our own little box, um, like, four, four seats in the box, and we had really good seats. Um... And you just sit back, you sip wine, you eat cheese and crackers, and you watch John Williams perform Harry Potter. Like, it was one of the best <laughs> nights ever. It was so cool. Wow. Yeah. It was beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Is that it, Micah? That's all the news that I have. Um, thanks okay. for sharing that. That was a great story. No problem. Well, yeah, I wanted to talk about it because I thought, you know. he And, again, he does it every year. So if you want to see John Williams and you're in the SoCal area, go to that show. He does. Next it's got to be a, a really year. cool experience. I mean, just from the standpoint oh, yeah. of of all the things that he has done in his career. Yeah, and we and went seeing him live, right? Man. And I mean, we went mainly for Matt's birthday, um, because his birthday is in a few days. So, whoa, happy birthday, Matt! Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, okay, where's Matt? He's at Panera. He's working. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on to announcements now. Uh, and this is sort of news, actually, too. Registration for Infinitus 2010 is now open. And uh, these uh, Infinitus is a Harry Potter conference. Um, it's run by the same people who put on Lumos, Prophecy, uh, Portis, and Azcatraz, which, you know, we've been talking about for the past several months because it just happened in July. Um, it's going to be taking place in Orlando uh, they're working with Universal, so there's going to be, like, an event at the theme park. Maybe. Maybe. It's not been announced yet, but maybe. Uh, mm. So it's going to be incredible. D- and dogs everywhere are just going crazy at the, at the news. <laughs> <laughs> so visit infinitus2010.org. Uh, you can find more information there. Register. Uh, we hope to do a live podcast there. So, I mean, it's too early to announce anything yet, but it's from July 15th to the 18th in Orlando. Uh in Universal Studios at Universal Studios uh, theme park there in Orlando. So another announcement: Don't forget to vote for us at Podcast Alley. You know we've been asking you to do so since no, uh, or you know, sometime in 2005 when we started our show. And Mikey, you found a pr- uh, found out a pretty interesting fact uh, today. Yeah, it was. I don't know I how was, you found this out. I was but... on Podcast Alley, and and they let you go back in time and and look over, you know, what what was the top 50 or so. Um, you know, from, from the past few years, and you could go month by month. And I found out that MogulCast has never been outside of the top 10 podcast at the end of each month on Podcast wow. Alley since we began the show back in August of 2005. Wow. And um, the only time we've dropped out of the top five was from April to June of this year. So I don't know what our fans were doing. Maybe they were on vacation or something like that. I don't know. Well, I see, like, in June, we were number 10, so that's still good. I mean, you know, don't get us wrong. Uh, but cool. Well, and, you know, that just shows you uh, how great our listeners are. So thank you so much for voting for us on Podcast Alley. Uh, it's pretty easy to do. Just go to podcastalley.com, uh, search for MuggleCast, 
and give us a vote. And you can leave a comment, too. The next announcement, we, we talked about this a little bit on our last show, that there's this uh, fantasy football podcast called Fantasy Focus that has been more or less calling us out. I, I think they referred to us, according to one of our listeners, mm-hmm. as bastards on the last show that they did. Oh, come on. <laughs> their, their September oh. 4th edition. So... Um, some of our listeners have reached out to them and, and said that um, one of us would be more than willing to, to go on their show and, and speak with them. And, uh, you know, I reached out to, to their host today, so we'll see what happens. Well, So uh, are we going to have a, uh, a Harry Potter trivia contest with them? No, I don't think that that would be the, uh, the, the plan, but... Hopefully they weren't joking, you know, maybe... You know, they're kidding about someone being on the show. Maybe. But, Mikey, you'd be a perfect candidate since you're into sports and uh, you like fantasy football for whatever reason. So, Yeah. Hey, look. We both talk about stuff You'll related to uh, things that aren't real. So, <laughs> Wow. Way to find common ground, Micah. And uh, a couple birthday announcements. The first one goes out to Ben, who wanted to join us today, but uh, he was traveling to New York today. He just found out a few days ago, so he couldn't join us. But uh, Ben just celebrated a birthday, so happy birthday to him. And also, uh, happy birthday to Matt, who is turning 24 on September 11th so so let's move on now to muggle mail the first letter we got today was from emily she's 15 and from maryland she writes dear muggle casters first of all i want to say that you guys rock and i love your show also i want to say that i think that the deathly hallows movie split you discussed in your last episode is perfect the trio getting caught by the snatches happens almost directly after they go to the lovegood's house and find out what the deathly hallows are which is obviously a very important part in the book the end into part one will be great with finding out about the Hallows being the climax and getting caught by the Snatchers being the awesome cliffhanger. The split also allows part one and part two to stand as totally different movies but at the same time flow together. What I mean is that even though both parts will be exciting and adventurous, part one will be more introductory while part two will be more final. I am just really thankful that Warner Brothers got this right. Yeah, so there you go. There's some feedback about... uh. The breaking news we reported last week. I'm both. Ex- Do you actually know what the exact moment of the split? Because if it's after they've been told uh, what the Deathly Hallows are and then it ends, well, that that no, would be cool. If they get caught by the snatches and then it ends, I'll be kind of miffed. I think. Well, according to Jamie, who heard Joshua Herdman say uh, reveal this at uh, MuggleCon, which was a, or Muggle Mayhem, which was a couple weeks ago, um, it's supposed to happen right after the snatchers, right after they're caught by the snatchers. That's so, going to be horrible to wait another year to hmm. find, yeah, to just be thrown exactly. back straight into the action. Well, that that's that's I guess. That's I mean, it's an thinking. ideal place to split, it, but right, right. I think it's a clever uh, cliffhanger. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we'll see. I think they'll make the most of it. They'll they'll anyone who has their doubts, I think, will be pleasantly surprised, just because you know, I they they won't want fans to be disappointed. Yeah, yeah. By a, by you know any split. The next email comes from Sophie, 21, of New Haven, Connecticut. And uh, it says, Hi all, just write to let you know that Bastard Coated Bastard with Bastard Filling comes from the TV show Scrubs. It's from a line of the character of Dr. Cox. Lady, people aren't chocolates. Do you know what they are mostly? Bastards. 
bastard-coated bastards with bastard filling. But I don't find them half as annoying as I find naive, bobble-headed optimists who walk around vomiting sunshine. I'm sure that loads of other people have sent in similar emails, but I thought I'd send it in. <laughs> Sophie, what the f*** so, does this have to do with? Well, well uh, this... <laughs> the um, last show. Yeah, the last show, somebody... What, what happened? Somebody quoted the bastard-coated bastard part, and we were like, what's that from? Is that from the book? And it wasn't. <laughs> and we got a lot of emails about this, so thanks to everyone who clarified. Obviously, none of us are... Or uh, scrub viewers, or at least anyone uh, who I was like on the show. Scrubs. Last week, it's so. it's a really funny show, actually. So why didn't you catch up on? I don't even catch, remember catch that this was said. Yeah, it was. It was. It was said in somebody's email. Oh, and we were like, "What's that?" So <laughs> they could have sworn. Next time you guys quote something and it's not from Harry Potter, let us know where where the quote's coming from, because chances are we won't know. It seems. Uh, Eric, you want to take the next email? Comes from Carly, age twelve, from. Massachusetts? M.A. Massachusetts. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Anyway, sorry. Next one comes from Carly, age 12, from Massachusetts. Subject, good girls gone bad. Mm. She says, Hey, I was just listening to your most recent episode, 178, and the music connection for good girls gone bad could be in the fifth. I assume she means... Movie, yes. When Harry, Ron, Hermione, Luna, Neville, and Ginny are all walking back from the DA meeting, and Hermione says it's kind of fun, isn't it, breaking the rules, and Ron goes, who are you? What happened to Hermione Granger? I thought that would be a perfect spot for that song. Just wanted to tell you, keep up the great work. I agree. That'd be fantastic. That was a wonderful idea, Carly. You guys played that song? What what kind of connection did you did you make in the end? Uh, what what happened, Micah? Uh, I honestly don't remember. And who uh, got the song? Ben. Oh, it was Ben? B- I think. I don't know. I'm sorry. We have a bad memory, apparently. Uh, but I don't know. It was a good connection, whatever it was. I can't remember. <laughs> Listen to last week's show for the answer. <laughs> okay, and the final email today comes from Andrea, 19, of Madison, Wisconsin. She writes, hey, guys, I've just started listening to the show in the past few months, and you guys are doing a fantastic job. Well, thank you. I wish I had started listening ages ago. Thank I know you, you guys have talked a lot about the foreshadowing in the Half-Blood Prince movie, but I just wanted to comment on one particular scene. There were tons of great and not-so-great scenes in the film, but when Dumbledore explains to Harry how dark magic can leave traces, I was so excited that they were hinting at one of the biggest twists in the entire series, Harry being the seventh Horcrux. Horcrux. By associating that comment with the twitch Harry does, uh, we all recognize that we all recognize from the Order of the Phoenix movie, it's easy for those of us who know the whole story to see what Dumbledore is alluding to and intrigue the movie viewers who have not read the books. I'm not usually thrilled with Michael Gambon, but in this scene, he delivered a spectacular performance. While I felt that the film did not give Harry time to grieve the loss of Sirius and over-romanticized some aspects of the story, it was definitely the best film yet. So wasn't that cool? We never brought that up when when Harry does that little twitch in the movie. Okay. What twitch? <laughs> There's a twitch, and and, and uh, did did uh, Nick and Micah? Do you guys know what she's talking about? I have I no idea about a twitch. But are really? You, are you sure okay. that's not just Dan acting? Because we can't put it in the show. If <laughs> no, it's, no. Listen, no. If I it's know. Voluntary. No, like I know. I know for a fact. I remember this too. I just okay. forgot to bring it up. But yeah, um, Dumbledore says how dark magic can leave traces, and Harry does the twitch that's similar to Voldemort's neck twist in uh, Order of the Phoenix. 
in the oh, in the man. film. You know when he swings his neck around, he does that same thing. Oh, um, you're right. And now. related to that, somebody else pointed this out to me. When he says that same line, and I think this was in the cave. Um, I'm pretty sure this took place in the cave. When he says dark magic can leave traces, he looks at Harry's scar as well. So mm. there, there's there's two references there to uh, Harry being uh, a horcrux with the dark magic. So well, look at that. Very they, they cool, cool. Subtle things. Yeah, they've yeah. essentially eliminated all other references to horcruxes, like right. that were in the book. But right. But Dumbledore looks at Harry's scar. How about that? Exactly. No, the Twitch. More of that. Good job, Warner Brothers. Good to bring it up. All right, so that does it for emails this week. And now um, we have a kind of a different main discussion. Um, we're, we asked on Twitter. Uh, we have a Twitter, as everyone knows, at twitter.com slash mugglecast. And we asked you guys to send in, you know, your burning questions that, you know, we've done 179 shows now. This is our 179th. And, you know, we always get a lot of emails from people sort of asking the same questions, but we've never really gotten to them. So here are some of them, you know, people's burning questions that we'll now try to uh, answer. And this first one comes from Daisy D. She says, could Dumbledore have stopped Voldemort becoming what he did? Because he didn't feel sorry for Riddle and judged Harry for doing so. So what do you guys think? Could Dumbledore have stopped him, you know, way back in the uh, in the orphanage or, or or even at school? Could he have somehow changed Voldemort? I don't think so. He was already damaged pretty much then without the upbringing and the family and stuff. Um, I think Dumbledore bringing him to Hogwarts was his way of trying to help him, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, I've got a quote here which you might find useful actually from Jo. Okay. Um, She says, she was asked by a fan in a web chat, uh, how, how much does the fact that Voldemort was conceived under a love potion have to do with his inability to understand love? And she replied, it was a symbolic way of showing that he came from a loveless union. But of course, everything would have changed if Marope had survived and raised him herself and loved him. So I guess what what she was saying was that as soon as Marope died, there was little hope for Tom Riddle. And so Dumbledore couldn't really have um, mm. have made a difference, mm. I guess. He reeled that one in. Yeah. But I mean, I guess even from argument's sake, she did still sort of leave it open. I mean, from, or at least from the question that we're asking, I mean, couldn't there have been any way, any way somehow Dumbledore could have put him through counseling, or at least... Giving him a um, hug. Given a, yeah, give him some love. <laughs> he probably could have given him a hug, I think, at one point. No, but I mean, the whole thing was that Dumbledore apparently or supposedly didn't know that Voldemort was... I, I don't know. I mean, Dumbledore, to a fault, believes the best in people, and his excuse when Harry asked him that question was... More or less, you know, or, or or maybe this is a movieism, but, you know, did you know then, you know, did you know, sir, then right. that I had just met there? And he said no. But, I mean, I think during during the tutelage, during the years, Dumbledore uh, possibly should have seen the signs, but Dumbledore wasn't headmaster then either. Could he have stopped him is the question. Well, physically, powerfully, yeah, Dumbledore could have stopped Voldemort, but I, I think... By her giving the answer, though, it, it takes away the, the whole idea that people can be inherently evil. And I think that, you know, a lot of the characters we do see in the series, and Voldemort, I guess, could be the exception that if he was raised a different way, he wouldn't have turned out uh, the, the way that he did. But, you know, I always had this perception of, of Voldemort as being an inherently evil person. 
um, yeah. from the from the beginning, and and you just see that from the way he's brought up in the orphanage. I mean, it, I, I, part of the reason why J.K. Rowling made that stark contrast between Harry growing up as more or less an orphan um, with the Dursleys, and then Tom Riddle growing up in the orphanage was to show that you know it is about the choices that you make. So, I think Riddle still chose on some level to do what he did you know i yeah. I, I, I don't know it, it seems like quite a quite a bit of a jumbled mess to me because is he inherently evil or is he a product strictly of being brought up that way or is it kind of a mix of both i think it's a mix of both but also you just have to like i always wonder you know could he have been like sort of quarantined in a sense I mean, if Dumbledore saw him growing into this very, this, this evil-ish character uh, as he developed in Hogwarts, I wonder if Dumbledore could have done something then to have stopped him. Whether it was to, I don't know, I don't know if quarantine's the right word, but like put him in counseling or just lock him up in a chamber somewhere and keep him there if, if you know he's not yeah, going anywhere if good. If you go back to that, <laughs> that scene, and it sticks out more in the movie than in the book to me, but when Dumbledore comes face to face with um tom riddle um and he basically asks him if there's anything that he wants to tell uh him you know and yeah he can tell that that tom riddle is lying to him you know dumbledore is this right. impressively powerful individual who i'm su- assuming has ability to read people's minds like other wizards uh and I I thought that was a huge misstep on the part of of Dumbledore's character to not say right then and there, you're not telling me the truth, something else is up. And and if he could stop him at that moment of the Chamber of Secrets, could that have prevented, you know, what he became after that? Do you guys know, I mean, what sort of um, confinement have we seen of wizards in the books relating to if they're bad? I mean, Micah asked if Dumbledore couldn't, you know, put him in a room or, or, you know, somehow contain his emotion. But really the only, I mean, if you're a bad wizard, you either die in fighting or go to Azkaban where you live a completely empty, you know, almost soulless, but not quite soulless life existence you know, during your time there, there's really no wizarding time out. And furthermore, Durmstrang, the school, is devoted entirely or even more heavily to the dark arts and teaching the dark arts. So if if, if Riddle had gone to Durmstrang, you know, that would have been perhaps even worse uh, than, than, than going to Hogwarts. But there just doesn't seem to be a place for... And, and and perhaps Joe hasn't really created a uh, containment sort of system for those wizards who are just corrupt. I mean, they pro- they get sorted into Slytherin, I guess, and uh, absorbed by their community there. Right. But at the same time, I mean, I think, you know, from the writing standpoint, the whole idea was to, you know, show Dumbledore was flawed in his decision-making show Slughorn was flawed in his decision-making. Um, you know, everyone who had encountered Tom Riddle at an early stage and chose not to act that, that they all that are somewhat complicit in, in what happened 
we could talk about this for hours because it, it, it all goes back to the same conversation of, of looking at how Tom Riddle was brought up versus how Harry was brought up and the different choices and the path that they took in their lives. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, I, we encourage uh, our listeners to send in their feedback because I'd like to see what everyone else thinks about it. I, I'm, I'm an optimist. I think he could have been changed. I mean, of course, for story's sake, we don't want him to change. But in realistic terms, and I think Dumbledore sort of would have been smart enough to, to notice. And I also think back to, as we see, highlighted very well in um, Half-Blood Prince, the film, when Slughorn, or when Voldemort is asking, or when Tom Riddle is asking uh, uh, Slughorn about, uh, uh, about Horcruxes. I mean, gosh, no, of course not. He wouldn't, he, of course he wouldn't be asking that hypothetically, like, or, or for academic purposes, as was described in the book. Ah, so sad. Uh, okay, so let's move on to the next question, though. Uh, it's from Paris2616. Why did J.K. Rowling get rid of all the father figures in Harry's life? James, Sirius, Dumbledore, Lupin. She killed them all. Um, and of course, the simple answer to this would be, you know, this helped Harry become an adult, put him into adulthood, and then make him stronger. I, I, I mean, at least that's my opinion. But do you guys think there's more to it? Well, she didn't kill all of the father figures. I mean, she kept Arthur Weasley alive. She gave him the reprieve and did yeah. Lupin and Tonks. But she almost set. did. She almost killed Arthur Weasley. That's true. True, true. She but also, I mean, James, Sirius, Dumbledore, and Lupin, I think they are the largest, uh, they, they are the largest, you know, father figures to Harry. Well, she said in right? a quote somewhere that she killed Lupin and Tonks to mirror or echo the death of Harry's parents. Right, the... right. So it went full circle. But, yeah. um, in regards to Dumbledore, I think he had to die for Harry to be truly alone and on the, on the quest and not have someone he could, fall back on i guess yeah um i guess if you think about it you can really pull each of these apart i mean and and offer reasonable explanations james died of course you know for for voldemort's whole attack in the first place um actually i don't know as much about Sirius. why would why would joe choose to ch choose to kill Sirius? i i think it's to repress harry really i mean Think about the end of Prisoner of Azkaban, which isn't when Sirius died, you know, but he came so close to having what was close to being a normal life, and unfortunately that destiny was not Harry's until he grew up, you know, until mm. until he had a family of his own, but he he came so close to li I just have flashbacks of the end scene in, in Prisoner of Azkaban, the book, and... uh you know, I mean, he came so close to living with his godfather, it, it felt like it was meant to be, but... It wasn't, and so she, I guess she killed Sirius so that we realized, you know, when book five, when things got down to it, that uh, that there was no right answer and that the end wasn't going to be easy or happy. I think that was Joe's way of preparing us at first. I mean, because Sirius was the only one who understood Harry in that book, and yeah. readers included, you know, well, so... That was pretty I tough. think a, a good question for her, based off of what both Nick and Eric said, would be, if Arthur had died, would Sirius have lived through that book? And mm. it, it's, it's, it's an interesting situation because, you know, I, I think, you know, Sirius had to be killed off because of a lot of the storyline that develops later on in Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hollows, whether it be with Creature or the Locket or Regulus Black. 
um, you know, and them using grim old place, uh, to their advantage. I just don't think, um, that it would have worked out. And, and, you know, it's serious at times, as much as we don't want to think like this, but he got in the way. Um, and how so? Well, I think that it would have made Harry's task a lot more difficult in the last two books if Sirius was there. And, you know, we, we saw Sirius jeopardize, uh, or the, the whole concept of Sirius being in danger jeopardize Harry, uh, you know, to begin with. And that's the whole reason he ends up dying in the end anyway. Um, you know, but I think she killed him off probably because he would be one more, figure that could be used against Harry and in favor of Voldemort as, as sadistical I guess as that sounds I think uh and another thing we could wonder about is if Arthur were to die instead of Sirius which death would have been bigger from a reader standpoint and from 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 Harry's standpoint and also from I just guess everyone in Harry's world I mean I think everyone in Harry's world um, the death of Arthur would be much larger just because of the Weasley family. I mean, they're all losing their father, and Harry is losing someone who is like a father. Whereas with Sirius, yes, it still affects everyone, but it, Sirius was really only Harry's father, so to speak. Yeah, and, um, and it hardened. So, him. which one do you think would have been bigger? Well, I think hmm. Sirius is still bigger for him personally. Hey, it's Harry's yeah. story, but. Then again, I mean, so much. I mean, if we didn't have Arthur Weasley, I mean, that's the connection to the ministry, you know, gone. And and, right. and plus, I mean, Ron would have just been uh, – all of the Weasleys would have been essentially inactive characters for some time if she were to do them the right way. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I wonder. So, I mean, the plot, I think, or the story would – would suffer, you know, perhaps more. I, you know, I just thought of that. You know, the reason that she gave Arthur Weasley the reprieve, could it have been, you know, because all of her characters, I mean, that's a lot of grief to write, you know, it nine, eight, eight characters grief around the same, you know, single person. Whereas, you know, in book seven, she can spread it out. A well, bit. I think I he think... still needed a, a father figure in the end. And I think Arthur Weasley is a father figure to him regardless. I mean, they, they do have a very close relationship. They do share a lot of information throughout um, the stories with each other. And, you know, I, I remember, though, in particular, a lot of people were upset by Sirius's death. Um, the, a lot of people felt that it was unjustified um, in, in mm. you know, in Order of the Phoenix, um, specifically because Harry had just been reunited with him and they had really grown in terms of their relationship. And then all of a sudden it was ripped apart. Well, the thing I'm still not totally cool with is just the way Sirius died, like the whole veil thing, because we haven't gotten an explanation for it. No, I would have liked to see either the other side of the veil or right. something. I mean, it was death by curtain. I mean, that was a, just a yeah. giant WTF <laughs> moment. I mean, but but then, I mean, of course, if you, I mean, if the thing is too, like that scene reads so quickly. And if you do read it, it says that there's like a green light or a flash before he hits the curtain. So technically, I mean, he's either like... And in the movie, I think it cleared it up that he was actually hit with the death curse before, or actually in the movie, he was like kind of absorbed into the curtain. So it was kind of kind of weird. But the way the book plays, I mean, it was just really confusing. And I, I think, you know, speaking from, from my own opinion, I, you know, I really wanted to know more about the, the death scene, but, but there's no, and the death room in the ministry, but there's just no closure for that sort of thing. And, and, uh, it, it wasn't the route that was taken. 
wasn't Sirius in the woods with them at the end? Yeah. With Remus and that right before the final mm-hmm. battle? Okay, mm-hmm. so, I mean, at least it's closure in that knowing that Sirius isn't in some kind of limbo that, you know, falling through the curtain just took away his body and that he still ended up where he was supposed to. Anything else on these other characters? I mean, I think we spent a lot of time talking about Sirius. Yeah, well, I think Sirius was the most debatable. I mean, we know why Dumbledore had to die. We... um. I, and I really don't think Lup, Lupin. I mean, he was a father figure, but uh, like like uh, Nick brought up, um, Joe explained that Lupin uh, had oh, died to bring another family, you know, is to bring it full circle. Where uh, uh, what, what's the uh, Teddy, you know, lost his parents to war. So that I get. I think that was a nice touch. So, any any other thoughts about that question? Okay, then we'll move on to the next uh, question from Forever a Fan. She says, do you think that any of the people who died in the Battle of Hogwarts became ghosts? So many people died there. And um, we've talked about ghosts before on you know past like Halloween shows, but uh, we don't think we've done anything since Book 7 came out. So let's talk about that. Um, as Nick, nearly headless Nick described, uh, not MuggleCast co-host Nick, wizards can leave an imprint on themselves upon the earth to walk palely where their living souls once trod. I was afraid of death. I chose to remain behind. I sometimes wonder whether I ought, ought, oughtn't have. I ought, ought, should not have. Well, that is neither here nor nor there. In fact, I am neither here nor there. That's a quote from uh, Nearly Headless Nick in Order of the Phoenix, Chapter 38. And thanks to the lexicon for that quote, by the way. Um, and according to Joe, she herself said, um, there are some people who would not come back as ghosts because they are unafraid or less afraid of death. So, in other words, you got to be afraid of death to want to be a ghost. So, with that, with all that information, guys, um, we know Snape, Fred, Remus, Tonks, Colin, Creevy, uh, Bellatrix, Crab, numerous Death Eaters. They all died. Any of them, do you think, would come back as ghosts, and why? Wow, that's a powerful question. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Really? I mean, it, there's a lot to it, though. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to. Well, I wanted to present everyone with the background. Well, information you'd almost first. have to analyze each individual character to to figure mm-hmm. out whether or not they they would want to become a ghost. I yeah. guess you could rule out the order. I mean, surely they knew in joining the Order of Phoenix, their face death. So surely they was accepting of death. They can't be afraid. And therefore, wouldn't and, be a ghost. And that's a. Yeah, that that's a good point too. That it, this was the battle of all battles. So those who went to battle with you some pre- going up against Voldemort. well, with some mental preparation, would have you, you know would be less likely to not um, would be less likely to feel as though they have unfinished you know business on Earth. I think what it is is though that the kids who were fighting, you know, the students who were old enough at, you know, who were basically allowed to take their wands and, and go do what they could in the end. I mean, during that final battle at Hogwarts, I mean, I think those, you know, and, and characters we couldn't name nor know of who, you know, the unnamed fighters would, would probably be the, uh, the ghosts as opposed to the characters we know and love who, you know, again, like Nick said, knew what they were doing. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, bit it, but we're prepared to. That's, I don't think anybody on that list that we have right there would would probably become a ghost. What about Fred? I mean, his death was so sudden, and I I almost think he would prefer hmm. to. 
so, you know, did he even have time to think of whether or not he's afraid of death? He's a sort I mean, of I person you... that would stick around to annoy people. And... Like a bunch of guys. Join him with isn't that, isn't that, isn't that peas? I think the Fred thing, I mean, if you're a Weasley, at this point in the Wizarding World, if you're a Weasley, you face so much prejudice yeah. and battle and hardship through your family that you're ready for death. And more to the point, J.K. Rowling killed him with a smile on his face, and that is the best way to go. I actually know it's the worst way to go out, but it was fitting enough that I don't think Fred's character has anything unresolved because he died, the, you know, Fred the jokester died with a, a smile on his face. I mean, that was his closure. If anybody, Voldemort would be at the top of my list to become a ghost. <laughs> Joe jo ruled him out, I think. Yeah, I think she did. Uh, yeah. but, but he would... Mm. But yeah, sure. If he was, he was human least... in some capacity. Yeah. If he had enough of a soul exactly. to become a ghost. Yeah. Uh, that that would be my choice. But nobody else... I mean, not even Snape. I mean, would, Snape... Would Bellatrix for Voldemort? Hmm. I don't think she... I really don't think she's afraid to die, cause just because of how crazy she is. Like, I almost think she doesn't think about it at all. Yeah, she's a bit just cause her. Yeah, I mean, her her mind's just not there. And, like, you know, again, you're working with the Death Eaters, you're working with Voldemort, and I think death certainly crosses your mind. So if you're, if you're in as much as Bellatrix is, I think she's... I think she... I think she would not be afraid to die. But I wonder, like... Even if I wonder why this is the rule for becoming a ghost, like, do you think this is the rule? Like, you have to be afraid or not? I mean, could it just be that? Can't you be afraid to die, or can you can you not be afraid of death but still want to come back as a ghost? I thought it had something to do with unfinished business as well. I remember reading that somewhere. Well, yeah. you can't really do business as a ghost, can you? Well, you can get living people to try and finish the business. Yeah, I guess. I guess it's also worth noting that Joe did say um, ghosts are more, um, more lifelike than a uh, a uh, portrait. But why is that the o- only reason, though? I, I mean, I kind of agree with you. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's something to uh, discuss further in our Halloween episode. I mean, Joe said this in a chat where the question was sort of posed to her out of the blue, so maybe that was just you know she didn't want to go into more detail. Uh, but I think that's definitely an interesting question. Right. These are good questions. All right. Well, in that case, we'll move on to the next question, which is from Kelsey0403. And she says, the many crimes of Harry Potter, <gasps> killing Tom Riddle. Uh, well, okay. I mean, basically, she wanted us to discuss the crimes of Harry Potter. And I, I assume, I mean, Micah, <laughs> do you know exactly what she was asking? I, I, the gist I got from it was, you know, how does he get away with it? But... Is that what he, she was asking? Or just the the nature of them? I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, or, or I think it's more of the fact that he gets away with them. Guys, right. you have to share this. She wrote in the actual Twitter post is... <laughs> Grand Theft Dragon. Grand Theft Dragon. <laughs> yeah, <that's> <laughs> so, I mean, we came up with a little list of stuff that Harry has done. We all know he's a troublemaker, but you, I guess you have to wonder, and we'll try discussing it, why uh, you know he's gotten away with so much. Um, a smaller thing, you know, he's traded information with fellow tri- Triwizard Tournament competitors, and I guess, I don't know if that's against the rules, but, uh, you know, it's still sort of, like, cheating. Um, he stole the dragon, of course, the Grand Theft Dragon, uh, and, you know, he's been caught breaking and entering into Gringotts, 
Um, countless times, you know, he broke the rules in Hogwarts with, with Ron and Hermione. And of course he killed Tom Riddle. So I think killing Tom Riddle, you know, you can argue that one. And also we've seen laws from the Ministry of Magic, such as, you know, you can use, um, you can use, uh, magic in the presence of a muggle as long as it's in self-defense. But nonetheless, why do you guys think he still gets away with all this stuff? Well, because if he didn't, there wouldn't be a series, but... Yeah, but because he's could have written in an explanation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, breaking those down uh, real fast, throwing aside the training, the information, I mean, that that's not something I, I don't think would be cause for arrest, you know, whereas some of no, these no, others... No, but I'm not even saying arrest. It's just like in- well, another example of how... That, that, that was slanted, though, too, because, I mean, I you know, Mad-Eye Moody was in it trying to kill him. I mean, Harry didn't even want right. to be part of that. I, I, think, I think so much of what Joe does in the series when Harry breaks rules is to actually show how flawed the rules are or to either justify Harry or show how his means justify the end. And, and, and not only that, but all the characters make those same excuses for Harry that... You know, in the end, after all was said and done, Harry, you know, becomes, you know, an auror and is reprieved of any and all, you know, law- things he's done. Because let's face it, he put down the darkest wizard of all time. So you're really going to arrest Harry Potter after that, you know, sort of thing. So, I mean, I, I think a lot of what he did do that was legitimate uh, rule breaking was excused, especially by Dumbledore, yeah, obviously. And, yeah, I was going to bring that stuff up. stuff was during war. I mean... They throw that sort of stuff out the window then. Yeah. In war, you can steal dragons and break into banks and ministries and other places <laughs> like that. It's, everything goes out the window, as you said, Nick. Well, he, I'm, sure, I'm sure they would have gladly walked in to the ministry and gotten what they needed to and walked out, but the times didn't call for that. Right. That's- well, I guess it's like, you know, you know how in like James Bond, there's a license to kill. Well, you know, does he have a license to do whatever the hell he wants because he's defeating Voldemort? Like, is that the thinking in the wizarding world? Maybe not to, well, you know, he's not just going to go around killing I think people. it is. I mean, go back to, uh, I think it's at the end of Chamber of Secrets or is it Sorcerer's Stone where Dumbledore tells him he has a certain disregard for breaking the rules? Mm, Chamber of Secrets movieism. Uh, and No, actually, it's in the book too. But Chamber you know, of Secrets. he compares them both to his father and to um, Tom Riddle. Oh. So... Um, I think in two different books, but he does, you know, both of them don't like to follow the rules. So, and again, I mean, in Deathly Hollows, he's made into this, you know, rogue type of, you know, you mentioned James Bond, but, you know, it's almost like he's on the run from everybody. So, you know, when you're put in that position, you're going to have to break some of the rules. You're going to have to do some things. And if you want to be successful and get out of the situation that you're in. <laughs> yeah. God, I can't can't stop thinking about that scene in the Simpsons movie with Santa's little helper where he says, I did things no dog should do, they will haunt me forever. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly though, self defense is the number one, you know, protected next to next to free, you know, speech and press nowadays, the the, the self defense is as high as it gets to you know, within the law for you to do what it takes if your life is in danger. And that just reminded me of I mean, your question, well, in Prisoner of Azkaban, when Fudge says, you know, 
this is a movieism, but you know, we don't cart people off to Azkaban just for blowing up their ants. What if they had? What if book three entailed Harry going to Azkaban? And what if they locked Harry up for blowing up his aunt? I mean, if Dumbledore wasn't able to convince them that Harry needed to go to school so that he could complete school and be a decent wizard so he could go up against you know who or whatever, if they just put him off in Azkaban, I mean, that would have been the end of the wizarding world if they made Harry do the legal thing and, and, and held him accountable for his actions. Now, what about this killing Tom Riddle? Is this from Chamber of Secrets, or is this when he actually kills Voldemort at the end of Deathly Hollows? I'm not sure. I'm just going off of what, you know, this listener said, but I... I, I mean, killing killing Voldemort, I think, you know, yeah. who's gonna who's gonna fine him for that? But, um... And well, even Tom Riddle, he didn't really kill Tom Riddle in the Chamber of Secrets. Well, Tom Riddle was killing Ginny. He was, like, absorbing her life. And, right. And, and really, I mean, Harry thought he was dying by the poison, so I, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a tougher one, I think, than killing Voldemort. I think, in a way, it's, it's sort of, you know, I think one someone could argue that uh, Harry's setting a bad example for kids in the Wizarding World who, you know, read about Harry's history, you know, the history of Harry Potter, and they realize that, Wow, look at all look at all he got away with just cuz he was doing something right or what was right for the greater good. And I wonder if people could argue and again, look guys, I mean we got to argue this this stuff as if it were real. So mm-hmm. with that said, <laughs> I I wonder if, you know, people could in 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 the wizarding world think kids growing up think, "Wow, look at all the stuff he did, you know, for the greater good. I'm going to start breaking laws and crap cuz I think it's for the greater good." That brings up an interest. Like, I just I'm gonna be quick about this, but think about all the bad things bad characters do. Like, is is Harry being a bad example? No, Draco Malfoy is supposed to be the bad example for kids to 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 not do because. But but things that Harry's villains and enemies do are within the law. Is the thing you know? Dra- uh, Lucius Malfoy does many things. You know, bribery is not in the law, but. All of the sort of villains in Harry Potter, uh, especially Dolores Umbridge, do things that are within the law, but which are morally corrupt and 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 are you know reprehensible otherwise. And so, you know, breaking the rules is in fact the good thing because abiding by them is what the people in charge do, and the people in charge are corrupt. So it's it's mm. very kind of backwards, topsy turvy, upside down in the Harry Potter books, and I think people have to realize that. that you know, Draco Malfoy is the bad guy, even though Draco sometimes does things in that are that are in you know by by the by the rules. I I, I agree. With but that. the other side of it is is if you want to take it and put it in a real world context, these are the types of arguments that that people are going to use against right. the Harry Potter books, specifically related to Harry. I was going to say that. You too. know, look at yeah. somebody like Laura Mallory. I mean, take the magic aside. And not even mention that, oh, well, he's killing people and, you know, he's stealing things and he's breaking into places and he's, you know, impersonating other people, you know. Yeah. These are the types of things that Grand- they use. Hmm. Grand Theft Dragon. We would never do that in real life. <laughs> They're setting bad examples. Uh, Grand Theft Dragon was a means to an escape. <laughs> Congratulations, Kelsey. Yeah. Kelsey, you just named the show. Grand Theft go. Dragon. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Well, let's move on. We have one last question uh, for today. It's from Britt JK. He says, or she, 
says, <clears throat> discuss what you think will happen in 20, 30 years when new kids are reading Harry Potter. If uh, they'll be as obsessed as their parents and or us. So I I think one of the first questions is, how will how do you guys think, and I think this is interesting to talk about, how do you guys think children will discover Harry Potter? Will people, will they get recommendations from their parents and teachers? Because, you know, now we have the movies. People, you know, see the movies and they're like, oh, I'm going to read the books. Or they see their friends reading the books. But not as many people 20, 30 years from now are going to be reading the books. So how are they going to be recommended? How how is How are the Harry Potter books still going to stay alive and extremely popular? We know they can, but how are people going to realize it? You know what I'm saying? People get the books beamed to them on their Kindle 3000. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. true. Or, or while they sleep, played, you know, yeah. constantly. But really, mm. uh, what, you know, how do you think people will find out about Harry Potter? Your ki- say say we all uh, get married and have kids, and in 20, 30 years from now, they're just entering the age of, you know, reading, and they're old enough to read Harry Potter. How would you convince them to read it? Read it or I'll disown you. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no video game. Well, without getting arrested, how, how could you? Um, I guess it will be more prominent in schools and reading lists and things, won't it? Yeah. Uh, well, guess. hopefully. I mean, uh, the problem right now is a lot of schools don't have it in their curriculum because kids see it, or teachers and I guess administrators see it as like too, um, too mainstream. Yeah. And people just don't get why it's popular. Well, I mean... People don't realize it's popular because it's a good story. You could certainly give it to your kids and, and you know, let them read the first book and, and make the decision if they want to continue on and, and see what happens. I mean, you you at least control that situation. As as far as the schools, it, it, it may take some time. I mean, it may take 20 or 30 years just for it to enter the curriculum and, and you know, get over the, the hump, so to speak, of some of the things that it's encountered. But, I mean, any classical piece of literature always faces some kind of um, obstacle it seems like um, when it's when it's put into the curriculum the first time around that, that's rather true and I mean it, let's not forget I mean Harry Potter surged in a time when it wasn't part of the school curriculum you know I mean it being a part of the school curriculum wasn't you know it wasn't dependent on that for its popularity and so even if it's not in school curriculums, I'm inclined to say yes. It will still be viewed as classic literature. That 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 certainly. I mean, you know how popular the books are that they're published in all those different languages. I you know I I will show them the books, my copies of the books to my kids. And if even half of the people who've read the Harry Potter books and are fans of the Harry Potter books do the same to their kids, we're not going to have to worry about. Um, you know, there not being uh, a fan base for it, um, or or it not being, you know, part of, if not mainstream, at least, you know, casual conversation, pop culture. It, it, I, I think just the impact of Harry Potter is too great for it to be forgotten in 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 any but span of a few decades. We say that now, but I it's mean, true. look at books. Look at books that look at you know what we would consider classic literature right now. I mean, sure, I guess Harry Potter could be considered because it's complete, but look at classic literature from maybe 20, 30 years ago. Can can a parent tell a kid to read it because they really enjoyed it when they're a kid? I mean, generations change over and over again. I mean, for all we know, like 20, 30 years from now, 
from now, everybody could be all about space and, and nobody wants to read or see any movies uh, about anything unless it's about space. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's the thing. You give them the book <laughs> and you let them read the first one. And if they like it, then they, yeah. then they continue on. If they don't, I mean, you're not going to be able to convince every kid. I, I mean, we have right. to remember that this happened in our time and, you know, nothing is going to replicate yeah. yep. that ever again, I don't yeah. think. It's very true. And, you can't do anything to sort of replace that, and that's why I don't think they're going to feel the same way about the series. I mean, there's no way to possibly to do that. You know, it, it, and it sounds kind of corny, but, you know, when you open up that book for the first time and there's a smell that's associated with it, and I don't know if you know what I'm talking what? about. No, I'm kidding. You know what I'm talking about. It's kind of the yeah, specific Harry yeah. Potter smell. Yeah. Micah smells books. I do. No, it's true. And it's specific it's to these title. types of Book. books. And, you know, you're always wondering, you know, what is what I thought going to be coming true in this book and, you know, what's going to happen. And, you know, you're racing to get through it to, to discuss it with other people. And that's something that, that's unique. You know, as crazy as it sounds, yeah. it's it's very hard no, to replicate. Absolutely. I agree. Actually, you know, I think I think it'll have most to do with how relevant the Harry Potter books that Micah, what you just said, had me think about that. You know, how popular do you think the Harry Potter books will be in twenty, thirty years? Well, what makes them popular now? And I mean, I I find I find Harry Potter to be very relevant to the current world, at least that it's it's set in this sort of generation. So I guess how popular it'll be will kind of, in a way, have to do with how strong the message is and how people can relate to it in a in a distant future you know when there yeah. is no war and peace after obama's second term you know all, <laughs> all of that so i'm but, you know but micah brought up another point too that the hype of it all the the racing to finish the book against other people who are that, you know millions of people are reading at the same time as you are you have to you that that will never be replicated again for the harry potter series and it's kind of a shame but it's true, and so with that missing, what's going to happen? I mean, and now let's also remember that before Book Seven came out, everyone was wondering what's going to happen to the movies right after the book come out. Books come out. Will will the movies die down? And the question was no. I mean, the movies are still extremely popular, and around movie release time, that classic you know antis- Harry Potter fan anticipation is still there, and it's great. So. Mm. It's hard yeah, to say. I mean, I, it, That's the short it, answer. It, it, it is hard to say. And, you know, Eric, you brought up uh, its relevance to the time. And, you know, I just wanted to mention this really quickly because I, I forgot to put in the document. But a lot of people were, were asking us to talk about, you know, some of the the contemporary things that, that are in the series. And, um, you know, I was talking to Andrew about it before the show. And, and we actually did a whole show, you know, that, that focused on, you know, some of the underlying themes that were that were in the the series and particularly related to politics and things like that um and it was episode 162 and we talked about racism and ethnic cleansing nazism corruption biased media educational reform and you know we really got into it and it was a long episode it's on our wall of fame so if anybody wants to check that out um episode 162 was back on november 5th of last year 2008 um I mean, honestly, I feel like it would almost be a disservice to to mankind if every single Harry Potter fan did not recommend the series to their kids and their grandkids and tell them how amazing it was. 
And, you know, there needs to be some sort of way you can illustrate that to them. I mean, what do, what do you do? Do you show them a website and you're like, look at these pictures from the midnight releases? Does it go into history you books? You guys like, are a bunch you know, of what dorks. Happens? What were you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's what the kids will say. Yeah, because they're always nine. Daddy, you're such a loser. Age. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Then we then we just you know show them the uh, complete box collection of uh, the 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 tenth anniversary box collection of MogoCast <laughs> on 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 Blu-ray <laughs> on yeah. one Blu-ray disc. Well, we got the five five year anniversary box set coming next year. So. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I think that uh, answers that question. Any other final thoughts about that, guys? No? Okay. Uh, we have one more Twitter response, but we're going to put it into our favorite segment, which we're going to do now. And this is an interesting question. As uh, most people know by now, you know, we use this favorite segment to talk about our fav- favorite blank in the Harry Potter series. And this question comes from V-Dork. Uh, he or she says, Who is the best story-wise character not your favorite so i it comes down to personal opinion still um yeah but see uh, you you know it i think it requires you to think a little bit more as opposed to who you're you know my favorite character is not necessarily the the character i think who's the the best story-wise i think that's a cool question that she asked or he asked i don't know so well, let's go around the table. Uh, Nick, not to put you on the spot first, but how about you go first? Oh, I suck Who'd... at picking favorites, but um, <laughs> best story-wise, I'd say probably uh, Voldemort or Snape. Um, pick one. You have to pick one. Well, I guess from our discussion earlier, it has to be Voldemort. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the backstory alone is, and, and the books wouldn't be the books without him. So um, Right. Like Nick, I also I was gonna say Snape, um, because he, I mean his backstory, with just the way he was treated in Hogwarts, uh, when he was a student, you know, with with James and uh, and everyone else, it's just it's a really um, beautifully sad story, I guess you could say, um, and it all ending with, of course, Harry saying, you know, uh, look look at me to Harry, and you know, just looking at Lily's eyes one more time. Uh, it's just, it's just a really, it's, it's just a beautiful story and a, a beautifully tragic life he had. Um, so that's why I think character wise Snape, um, and also just the way that JK Rowling, uh, you know, set him up as, you know, whether he's going to be b- bad or uh, the good guy or the bad guy, you know, which was what everyone was wondering at the end of Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. You know, I was going to go with Snape too, uh, but you know, just just to mix things up a little bit. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I feel that there are certain characters that are very well written. Um, right. You know, like somebody like an Umbridge can get you really angry reading the book, physically angry. Yeah. Um, but. But I get. Are we talking about like story as a whole or just like one book? Because I agree, Umbridge is an amazing character. Yeah. See, it's it's hard though. Like when you, you know, trying to think about it. Um, uh, you know, and I I like Dobby too throughout the course of the series, but but probably a better one would almost mm-hmm. be Creature to see his turnaround. Yeah. Uh, at the end yeah. of uh, Deathly Hollows or, or the middle part of the book. Um, I, th- I think I, I think Dobby's a good choice. Or Creature I mean, for that. I, I mean, it, or, sorry, I don't Creature, think I that. 
you know, I, I think it's hard when if if you're not focusing on like the trio, you know, you're you're probably going to go for somebody who's a little bit of a bigger character. But you know, I, I don't know. I say creature. I'll vote for creature. And, and it's a very rewarding experience for the reader and and of course the trio. You know, and it was it, you, you had a very reward rewarding feeling seeing creature have this turnaround. It was like yes, yes. You know. Yeah. Yeah, um, story-wise, it's Snape just because of, of, I mean, there was an entire mini-book dedicated to it. It's just, he's, he's the character everyone either loves, hates, loves to hate, but regardless, it was until the very end, people were, you know, trying to guess his loyalty, and he was just the most interesting. I mean, I think he's the most, uh, sympathetic character, too. I mean, sympathetic in that we're sympathetic towards him, you know, we, He's probably the most flawed, uh, even more flawed than Dumbledore and Harry, and he's yet, I don't know, is he the most human, would you say? I Snape? think so. In, in all his inhuman... I mean, yeah. Know. I mean, I was saying it's it's just, you know, a beautifully tragic story. Yeah. Uh, and it made it very yeah. human. Yeah. I mean, we, we threw out a couple of other ones just because I think Snape is probably... We all, all four of us mentioned him. So, I know we, we said uh, Umbridge and Creature... Um, and I, I don't know, Petunia is another one too, um, who has an interesting yeah. story, um, yeah. that you find out about later on, but I don't think yeah. anyone's topping Snape. I think Snape wins hands Yeah, I agree. Down. Thanks everyone for those questions. If you don't follow us on Twitter already, you should, because quite frequently we're sending out tweets to our listeners you know, asking them for questions and stuff. So there's your opportunity to get in on the show. And everyone here is on Twitter, minus Eric. <laughs> yeah, I don't have I don't have right. Twitter yet because I, well, I don't have a smartphone. Before you ask, I don't have a smartphone, and I want to get a smartphone before I get on Twitter. It just makes sense. I know you don't need one, but I want to be able to mobile Facebook. And that that was a shameless yeah. plug for everyone <laughs> who has a Twitter right. on the show. So before you yell at me. That's exactly Thank what it was. Ah, nice. Thank you. You arrogant, <laughs> stupid, shameless plugging news anchor you. It's time for chicken scoop. Ch- chicken scoop. Chicken soup. <laughs> back to school edition. And it's from uh, Jordan, 19 of Michigan. Uh, and she writes, Dear Mugglecasters, I have been a listener for quite some time now. I have never really had a reason. I have never really had a reason to write into you guys, but I guess I do now. This is my first year in a major university. My life is in the middle of this weird transition between childhood and adulthood. Basically, everything I know is changing right before my eyes. Plus, on top of that, I am very homesick. But there's one thing in my life that hasn't changed. You guys! I can still come back to my dorm at night, plug in the iPod, and hear your voices just like old times. So, I just wanted to thank you for creating MuggleCast and SmartMouths. It is truly a slice of heaven uh, for me. Sincerely, Jordan. So, thank you, Jordan, for that. And I always love Chicken Soup Back to School Edition because, you know, it comes every September mm. and it's always, we always get some nice emails. Yeah. So uh, best of luck at college, everyone, and for everyone else who's back in school. It's time to wrap up the show, but before we let everyone go, we uh, we want to remind you about our contact information. Uh, MuggleCast.com, of course, is the place where you can get all the information you need about the host, about, you know, tra- you can read transcripts, you can contact us. Um, uh, but we want to remind you, uh, to follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash mugglecast uh, and to also fan us on Facebook with our 
shiny u- new URL, which is facebook.com slash MuggleCast. So it's nice and easy to get on there and uh, become a fan of us. And we send out updates through our Twitter and also through MuggleCast. So make sure you do that. You can always email us using our first name at staff.mugglenet.com or just visit MuggleCast.com and there's a contact link and you can um, write to us that way as well. And lastly, I'm doing this all out of order. I used to have this down pat, but like, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm like forgetting how to do this anymore. Uh, you can send us a parcel mail to our P.O. Box, which is P.O. Box 1752, Cumming, Georgia, 30028. And uh, just address it to MuggleCast. So that's it. Uh, I need a drink of water. And I'm Andrew Sims. Um, I need some pizza. And I'm Eric Skull. I'm Micah Tannenbaum. I need a cake. What do you and need? I'm Nick Mice. Micah, what do you need? Oh, uh, uh, I, I... Coke, pizza, water? I need some soda. Okay, so you need Coke, too. Not that kind of Coke. Or, oh, I see. Okay, well, <laughs> something sugar. Nick sugary. probably needs some sleep. It's What time is it there, Nick? Uh, 4.30. Nice job, man. Jamie would never do that for us. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but, yeah, seriously, thanks for staying up so late. You're very welcome. Uh, enjoy it. 4.30 in the morning, if anyone didn't get that. Uh, so, all right. Again, thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time for episode 180. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Hopefully, yeah, there won't be any hurricanes, because that's right around hurricane season, isn't it? Actually, I'll cut that out. I shouldn't say that. Way to promote the uh, convention, Andrew. You should leave it in here, actually. It's pretty funny. Yeah, come here and you'll die. No, no. hurricane <laughs> season actually is not... Starts in August, Until right? August, September. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so, so you'll, be, you'll be fine. Uh, yeah. We can all hide in Hogwarts if there's any... That's right. ...pain like weather, anyway. No safer place to be. Exactly. Except one. Except there's Hogwarts. Gringotts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, also, 